Good morning. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm Tim. I'm the lead pastor here. and um, Good job with the silence. Um, we're, doing, we're doing pretty good with that. And uh, if there's very small children or infants in here right now, um, we don't know because they're absolutely silent, which is, which is so, so much better than the 915 gathering. So um, if you're keeping score, I don't know if you keep score or not. Um, silence is a pretty weird thing, and um, I, was, I was thinking about it this week, <clears throat> and knowing that we'd be here and doing this again, we've done this now three weeks in a row as we've walked through the, the weeks of Advent, and I, I don't know how, how you think about silence, or if you think like, oh, are, are we going to do that again, or I hope we don't, or I can't wait till we do, but uh, I thought about it this week, and I thought for me, silence in this kind of setting, in this moment, is like fish tacos. You might not understand it, so let me explain what I mean. Um, when I was introduced to fish tacos, I was in high school, and I was on a, on a uh, we were on a mission trip with a high school group um, about two hours south of Ensenada on the coast of Mexico, and serving in a migrant village. And uh, a few of the leaders said, "Hey, you need to t- try fish tacos." And although I'd grown up in Southern California, um, when they said fish tacos, it would it, it sounded as odd to me as if you would say, "Let's have ostrich." tacos. And maybe that's a thing. I don't know. But the point is, I don't want to know. Like, that never crossed my mind. I want to try a taco with an ostrich. I didn't want to, I wanted, didn't want to put a fish in a taco. I'd grown up, like, the highest caliber of taco that I had was, was you know, ground beef, Taco Bell, and, and home, you know, ground beef. I didn't know you put anything else in tacos. And so, the fish taco just sounded so odd. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then they took him to the stand on the side of the road, uh, in Mexico, and this watched this guy batter the fish and put it in the corn tortilla and do all the fixings on it, and then it was sitting in my hand, and it was almost like this dare, you, I dare you to try this. And as I bit into it, I was thinking, I don't want to do this at all. Um, and then after I bit into it, I then had five more. <laughs> so I think silence is kind of like fish tacos, for me at least. Um, that it doesn't sound like something that I want to try, but then when I get a little taste of it, oh, I need this. I want this. I really want this. And so um, if you're feeling that right now, you're normal, that's good. Um, We wanted to kind of stretch ourselves this Advent season as we walk towards Christmas together uh, and knowing that many of us have have a schedule and a rhythm, as Connor said earlier, of this time of year that is, is, is hectic, Uh, You might even feel frantic. You might feel like there's the days are going too fast. You have too much to do. There's lists that you want to check off and need to check off, and it keeps growing. and And so we want to come into this place and actually take a deep breath and just slow down and and be silent and actually meet with Jesus in this time and get us ready for the rest of the week. And as as we've done each of the three weeks now is to is to light a candle as we walk through this Advent season. And the first candle was for anticipation. The, the second candle we lit over here was for provision as we looked last week. And the candle we're lighting this week and what we're going to focus on is a is a single word that's in the in the story that, that Joe just read for us. Uh, Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20, the story of the birth of Christ, which hopefully sounded familiar in some way, um, that you've heard it now a couple weeks, and uh, we think it's the most kind of familiar 
uh, of, the, of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talking about the birth of Jesus. It's Luke 2 these, that we're reading. But there's one word in there that, that we want to look at together today. And it's a, it's a word that uh, has kind of global implications, and yet it's deeply, deeply personal. Uh, it, it makes a difference of what happens with all people through all time, with all of creation, all of the universe. But it, it also is something that on a daily, minute-by-minute basis we're, we're longing for, that we're wanting. Um, and the, that word is peace, that we long for, for peace. And so we're going to take a look together uh, at where that shows up in the story that we just read uh, and then see where God, uh, God wants to lead us into peace uh, this morning. So would you pray with me? And then we'll go to Scripture together. God, as we're here in this moment, um, we, we want to receive peace from you. Uh, we want it and we need it, but we, we want it from you. We want you to give us peace. We want your peace. There's a lot of different options for peace and a lot of different roads we could go down and a lot of different ways that we could go about feeling and attaining peace, but, but your word tells us and your story tells us that it's best found in you. And so, God, as we stop and pause in our week right now, uh, would you meet us here and would we receive from you the good and loving creator of the universe who knows us and knows what's best for us? The Holy Spirit, we need your help in in slowing down and and gearing down and being able to focus and listen and hear from you. And so would you help us to do that this morning? Would you help us to to just kind of shut down and shut off the gears that drive us through our week and all of the things that we have to do? And would we be able to be at peace in this moment? And Jesus, it's because of you and your life, death, and resurrection uh, that, we, that we can experience peace. And so would you help us to, to embrace that yet again this morning? And would we know you more as we look at your story together uh, this morning? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2, I want to read again. We we just heard these read uh, for us, uh, but I want to read these again. Uh, In this this 20 verses is the birth story. We've got Joseph and Mary um, showing up to Bethlehem. There's no room. They end up in a a, a kind of an odd room off to the side, a stable even. And uh, Jesus is born that night, and he's placed in a manger. And that's kind of one scene. And then we we jump to another scene, uh, and it's a very kind of, it's actually a bizarre scene. and again, you just heard it. We just read it. But I want to look at it again. And it's a, it's a bizarre scene where this idea of peace um, really shows up explicitly. Um, and it starts in verse 8. Verse 8 says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. They would move out and live in the fields for weeks, months at a time as they watched sheep, um, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Um, as any of us would be if an angel showed up and the glory of the Lord was present there. Um, angels, uh, scripture tells us, I believe that angels are real. And, and we've all heard stories of angels, whether we've believed that they are, are real or not. Um, we have kind of these uh, subtle kind of secret angel stories uh, where a, a person or a, a few people are in crisis and, and need help or protection and uh, an angel shows up and walks with them for a while or helps them to the next thing or protects them in some way. 
And in debriefing afterwards, they talk and say, oh, this person showed up and, and helped me or guided me there. Or wasn't it great that this person showed up and, and helped protect us from that, that group or whatever it might be? And, and other people in the group say, well, no, there wasn't anybody there. Well, yes, there was. A guy showed up and helped this. Or a woman showed up and directed us over here. And well, that must have been an angel. And angels work that way. That's how they show up and work. But those are kind of subtle angels. This was an angel that showed up in front of these shepherds and like turned their angel light on and just freaked them out. And they were shocked. These are, these are kind of rough guys, um, kind of salt of the earth, blue collar guys that are out in the field watching the angels. And, and they're kind of, I don't know if they're around a campfire, if they've gone to sleep for the night, but they're there. And this one angel shows up, which if anybody shows up at a camp in the middle of the night, you might be a little bit scared, but then go, boom, goes the glory of God lights show up and and they freak out, they're terrified. And then the angel, the single angel, says what angels always say, do not be afraid. I've just freaked you out. You're ter- it says they're terrified. And the angel, of course, says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I've got a great message for you. I've got a really, really good announcement. Something's happening and it's really good. Joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, so they're just outside Bethlehem, They're on the fields near Bethlehem. In the town of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. We we, we read that and it's like, oh yeah, that's that's the birth story of Jesus. That's, yeah, wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. That is like the weirdest thing that you can imagine. You're going to go, you're going to go, first of all, the, the, the angel's just assuming you guys are going to leave your flocks and go into town, which it, it, they had no plans to do that night. You're going to leave your flocks, go into town. Maybe you're going to take your flocks with you. Maybe that's why we have such a crowded nativity scene all the time. I don't know. But they're going to go into town and find in a stable a baby wrapped up in cloths and placed in them. And it's an odd, bizarre scene. Angel shows up out on the fields. Shepherds end up, end up going in. And then what happens next? Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, Again, we're probably familiar with, with what happens, but there's one angel. And I, I, as a kid, I always picture the angel kind of floating up above, um, uh, up above the, the shepherds. And I, I don't know why, probably a book or a story, or I don't know why, but I just always picture the angel. But it's very, very likely that the angel just walked up to their camp. He's on the ground, on the field. And he says his one message with his angel light on. But then all of a sudden, there's a heavenly host. There's a, there's a ton more, dozens more, maybe hundreds. We don't know how many. But all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch more angels show up. And, and they're declaring something. They're saying something. They're reciting something. We don't know if they were singing it, if they were all screaming it, if they were whispering it, if they were like doing it in a round and it was hard to understand. We don't, we don't know how this was being communicated, but they got the message. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Gl- angels show up to some random shepherds and declare that God is great. Declare that God is worthy of all glory and all majesty and all praise and all honor and all worship. That, that God is good. That's what they say. God is above everything else. And because he's so good, he's actually provided the very thing that you need, which is the Messiah, which is what you've been waiting on for a long, long time and didn't think it was coming tonight, but the Messiah has shown up. And because the Messiah has shown up now, now, the longing that you have for your people, for your nation, for your 
family, for your friends, for your own soul, the longing that you have for peace is now available to those on whom his favor favor rests. On earth, in the here and now. That's the message that they say. When we hear peace, we probably think of something quite a bit different than what these shepherds thought. And again, these are not necessarily um, highly educated men. Um, they're, they're men that are, are working with animals. And they, they, they're, uh, they hold a, an important role in culture and society at the time, but it's not an elevated role. And of all of the people that God could have said, I want to make a special announcement to these people. He kind of picks people on the margins. He picks people on the outskirts of town, literally. And, and he sends his angels there and they make this announcement and they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's the message that, that the Messiah has been born. And when they hear peace and when they hear Messiah, they hear something different than when you and I hear peace. When you and I hear peace, we think most commonly the end of a war or the end of a conflict. So it could be between nations. It could be uh, between you and a spouse. It could be between a friend, a coworker. There's, there's peace. There's no more conflict or war. And certainly peace holds that meaning. It also can be really personal that I want to be at peace in my own life, that I want this anxiety that is, that is just raging in my chest to to dissipate and go away, that I want to be able to take a deep breath and relax and smile calmly. I want to feel like I'm at rest. I want to be at peace. Peace means these things, but it it means so much more than that. And, And these shepherds would have had a much bigger view of what peace means. The Old Testament word for peace, and maybe this is familiar, you've heard this before, but the Old Testament word for peace is the word shalom. Shalom. And shalom means more than just the lack of a war or feeling at rest. Shalom has this, has this bigger meaning that, that all has been put right and is whole again. That there's no missing pieces, that it's complete. There's a completeness to whatever shalom is being applied to or describing. That, that although this, this world and life and humanity and existence and creation is complex, That when all of creation and all of life is at peace, when there's shalom, that it's all in harmony and it's working. It's no longer broken. There's nothing missing. And when these shepherds would have gotten woken up and terrified, but then heard this message that the Messiah has shown up, and now there's peace, that's what they would have imagined. And they would have known that there's no option, there's no chance at shalom without the Messiah. There's a prophet uh, named Isaiah, and we looked at this a number of weeks ago. Um, but this is what the shepherds would have, been, would have had in their mind that they would have been holding on to and hoping for. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called four titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So there's one coming who will bring peace, and that peace won't be threatened, won't be challenged, won't be dented, won't be taken down. It will be forever. That's what they would have heard. That's the kind of hope that they would have had, that the Messiah would come and that there would be this peace. Later on in Scripture, we're, 
We're told very clearly what, we're told how Jesus brings peace on a personal level to each and every one of us. How Jesus brings peace and how he starts to to give it to humanity, to make it available to his creation. And it's on a very personal level. It's one by one by one. Romans 5 verse 1 says says this, Therefore, since you and I, since we have been justified through faith, we've been made right, we've been justified through faith, we, you and I, have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus that you and I have, have peace with God. That, that whatever broken relationship we, we had, when you believe in Jesus, there's a, there's a putting back together, there's a making right, there's a bringing shalom between you and God that only Jesus can do. And Paul says later exactly how that happens in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Listen to this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, that Jesus was fully God. And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, that God is reconciling, putting back together, fixing what's broken, bringing peace, bringing shalom, bringing wholeness, to all things, and it happens through Jesus, the Messiah, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, and here it is, through his blood shed on the cross. So because there's a brokenness in our world that comes from sin, there's a making right, there's a conquering that sin and its consequence, death, that happens through the life of Jesus when Jesus laid down his life, through the shedding of blood on the cross, through Jesus giving his life, God now says, I have a way to make peace with humanity, with creation, with everything that's broken. But it starts on a very personal level. A pastor in New York describes shalom this way. He says, in shalom, it means complete reconciliation. You heard that in, in, in chapter 20. We just read 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, sorry, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, to reconcile all things. And he and he, Tim Keller here lists out these all things, a state of fullest flourishing in every dimension. He goes physical, emotional, social, spiritual, every aspect of life of existence to be able to reconcile that all to God because all relationships are right, perfect, and filled with joy. Doesn't this sound great? We hear this and, and we go, oh, yeah, I, I would really like that. I, I, would, I, would, I would really like it if any one of these four would be completely filled with joy and reconciled. I'll just, just, I'll just take one. If, if emotionally, if I could be flourishing emotionally because all relationships are right and filled with joy, that would, I'll, I'll take that. Physically, to have no more pain or no more illness or no more sick. To have that completely restored and fixed. But imagine all aspects of existence being filled with joy and right and perfect and flourishing. That seems really far away. Peace at times feels like a concept or an idea that is very, very distant, and we want it really, really close. We're in this, in this in-between where we've heard the promise and the angels have made their announcements and said, God is good, glory to God. 
and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And we get little glimpses of peace, but it doesn't feel like it's fully resting on me or anyone else I know in this world today. And the reason for that is because we're in this in-between time. We read this a couple weeks ago, but Karl Barth said it this way. What other time or season can or will the church, and that's those of us that follow Jesus, that's who he's talking about, anybody who knows and follows Jesus, will the church ever have other than that of Advent? We're in the in-between and and we're waiting. We're in the in-between and we're waiting for God to fully show up and to heal and to bring flourishing and to establish his shalom, his harmony. We're in the in-between time. That's where we are. That's what the, the biblical concept of peace is. And as I thought about that this week and knowing that our third candle is, is peace and as we read through these 20 verses of, the, of Luke chapter 2, there's this announcement that is peace on earth. I couldn't help but think about the ways in my own life recently that I've, I've tasted peace, kind of unexpectedly, that I've, I've found peace in a very unpeaceful time or season or experience. And so I just, I want to, I want to just share three of those with you. Three, three ways that I've experienced God's peace uh, recently. I'm going to say like the last, it's probably a year and a half to two years. Um, and it, it, for me, it's helpful to think through the, the three kind of, um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about three different roles I have in my life. I have more, we all have more, but three of them. The first one's this, uh, as a pastor. Uh, as a pastor, uh, in the last, say, year and a half to two years, um, I've experienced a lot of um, moments, experiences, times. I've, there's been a lot of uh, uh, lack of peace, a lot of difficulty. Um, actually, we're going to be talking more about this at family meeting. There's just a little, little teaser plug. Um, but there's been difficulty in, in the life of our church over the last year and a half or so. Um, uh, this, this fall, um, Abby and I and our family hit 12 years that we've been a part of Mosaic. Um, we can't believe how blessed we are to be a part of a church like this and to be a part of a church like this for so long, to raise our kids here and um, call this home. Um, and of those 12 years, the last two have been the most challenging and difficult. Um, about a year and a half ago, a little more than a year and a half ago, I had to make a, a difficult decision to, to let uh, one of our staff go. It was a friend, somebody I walked closely with for a lot of years and uh, believed in and cared about. And, and uh, he, didn't, he didn't do anything wrong, but uh, it was very clear that his time here was done. And uh, we had to process through that and walk through that and came to a very difficult decision to to let him go, and, and that, was, that was really, really hard. I didn't, although it was the right decision, I, there was a lot of, that happened afterwards that wasn't peaceful. Uh, last, a year ago, this fall, we, as a church, uh, went through a, a health assessment where we brought in some outside voices to kind of take a, a look and, and to study us for a season, and the results that we heard back, the conclusions that we heard back, and the recommendations were... Um, were needed, <laughs> were helpful, but it was really, really hard to hear. It was difficult. Didn't feel at peace. Felt a lot of anxiety. Um, we, we 
that helped lead us into a year of Jubilee. And so for this year, 2019, for Mosaic, we've said this is a year of Jubilee, which is to rest and to listen to God in some new ways. Uh, and that is not the normal gear that I'm used to leading in. And that has been hard and, and challenging and difficult. We went through an intentional season uh, this year of seeking new vision from God. Uh, and that has felt risky, although exciting. It's new territory. It's a new muscle. It's a new thing to experience. And in this season, again, maybe a year and a half or so, um, there have been many, many nights where I've laid in bed wondering um, what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, should we do this? Should I lead in this direction? Should I make this decision? Um, what about this? And, and thinking, and I don't know how, how you function when um, there seems to be a lot of change surrounding you and uncertainty is to begin to think down multiple tracks of what could happen, and that can keep you up at night. Um, it's called anxiety, but um, my mind would just race, and I would just lay there awake and race and race and race, and um, came to the point eventually of going, God, I, I can't solve this in my mind to bring myself peace. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this decision that you're calling me to, and I know it, but I'm fighting you on it, is that I'm going to surrender this to you, and I'm not going to fixate on it anymore. I'm going to surrender it to you because you actually love this church more than I do. Uh, and so I'm going to trust you with it. And I begin to let go and could actually started to sleep much, much better. But that was, that was difficult. We, uh, a verse kept coming to, to mind in, in those, those weeks where this was happening in me. And uh, somebody actually mentioned it this morning. We pray as a, a team, all of our volunteers get together and pray before our first gathering on Sundays. And somebody prayed this verse. Um, it's familiar to many of us. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 talks about casting our anxieties on God. And then God actually giving us when we pray and ask that he, he gives us a, a peace um, that is beyond understanding, that surpasses understanding. Um, and so I would love to be able to stand up here and explain to you how I felt peace by surrendering leading Mosaic, our future, our vision, surrendering all that to God and trusting him with it. But because it's understanding, I can't quite make sense of it. It's just, it's more than understanding. It's more than I could articulate. But I, I, I didn't like letting go of control. I wanted to hold control and think my way through to something. And I had to go, God, you're in control of this. And it doesn't make sense. And I don't like how you're doing this. And I don't like the pace in which you're doing it. But I'm going to trust you and just keep taking the next step of faith with you. And a level of peace came because of that. And I can't fully explain that. The second uh, kind of role is, uh, is as a husband. Um, Abby and I have been married 22 years. We've got three uh, boys, uh, two are adults. Um, our youngest, Owen's in seventh grade. Um, and uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, a little less than that actually, uh, Abby, uh, Abby lost her hearing in her left ear pretty rapidly. Um, and I realize as I say that, that I just listed out our, that she lives with four men, young men, um, that that might have something to do with it, but it didn't. She lost her hearing pretty rapidly. If you know anything about uh, hearing loss, um, 
the way in which you lose it indicates some things. If you lose it gradually over a long time, it may not mean much. If you lose it rapidly, it means something. Um, something's gone wrong that's, that's not normal. <clears throat> and so we went and had tests done, and um, you kind of start at the basic level, and then you move up. And we didn't get answers at the beginning ones, so we moved up to some of the more intense, intense ones. And one of the things when you lose hearing loss is that's really close to your brain. And so um, the list of things that could be wrong gets real serious real fast. And um, we had to go in, and, and she had to go in and take a test that um, uh, we, we could have been a lot of serious things, brain tumor, cancer, uh, those, those kind of scary words. And, uh, and so we asked some friends to pray. We prayed, and went in, and she went into the big thing that checks out your whole head. And it's not fun to go for that kind of test. And she came out, and then we had to wait um, until we got the results, and that's just excruciating. And um, we got the results the next uh, morning, and uh, not only was it nothing bad, it also was just nothing. <laughs> they said we saw nothing. The, the test was helpful in saying that it's not something serious, but it's not helpful in telling us what it actually was. And so we went to the doctor and walked through it, and the doctor said, yeah, so you lost your hearing. Awesome, super helpful, that was it can't do anything for you, don't know why it happened, just gone. Um, it's very hard to work. She's an ER nurse, and so to not be able to hear out on one side and uh, was pretty difficult. And um, several weeks went by, and we eventually uh, pursued a second opinion. I went to another doctor, and that doctor uh, said, um, hey, I think it's this thing. Um, and I don't remember the word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But um, if we do surgery, I think I can fix it. And so we, we go into surgery, and uh, I and asked people to pray, and, and we prayed, and, um, and, and she was wheeled off and went into surgery and came back several hours later um, and um, could hear. And she came out of surgery and, and could hear. And it was this just, like, uh, like we felt like she was healed. Like, we, we prayed, and, and she, was, she could hear. I mean, it was that fast. And, um, and just blown away that God would would do that. And kind of funny how when you pray and then God does things, not always, but sometimes that actually, it's that fast. And um, I, somebody, somebody said, you have things on your, on your wrists and you normally don't. I've never worn a watch really. I can't remember last time I wore a watch. And um, this is, a, uh, this is my bling. <laughs> um, this is, I had a whole spleen rupture thing happen a couple months ago, and I have to wear this at least for another month, and then it will go away as fast as it can. But um, this is not a style statement at all. Um, but this one is a uh, hair tie, and uh, um, it was the last thing Abby took off when she went into surgery, and I just, without thinking, just slipped it on my wrist. And when she came back out of surgery um, and she could hear, it was like this amazing answer to prayer. And so I've just kept this on as a reminder that God answers our prayers. Um, and that's brought me a, a level of peace that is, frankly, just awesome. The other thing that happened is that I uh, prayed a little while after that. Um, we had one of those, those uh, specific kind of surgeries that are uh, non-free. Um, and so we negotiated, and uh, Abby and I, and she said that her hearing was pretty important to her. And so we went ahead and did the non-free surgery, and it worked. And um, I said, well, God really answered our prayer. And they said, yeah, you still have to pay for this. So um, I didn't know how that was going to happen either. And um, 
just prayed one morning. Um, one, of, one of my rhythms is I get kind of most Friday mornings, I get the house to myself, and that's kind of my Sabbath solitude time. And I very distinctly ask God, God, I don't know how this is going to work and how we're going to pay for this. And, um, and got an answer almost immediately uh, that somebody called and an uh, extended family member called and, and said, hey, um, we want to help out a little bit. And they didn't pay for the whole surgery, but they, they helped out. And it was this just, wow, God hears. And he's stepping in to help out through this other person who knows us and loves us. And that was, um, that brought peace. Um, the th- third, third thing is, uh, as a friend, um, if you've been around Mosaic many amount of time, you know that this August we lost a, a beloved friend here at Mosaic. Paul Rhodes uh, died suddenly and tragically. Uh, fell off a, a porch um, in the dark in, in, uh, in August and uh, died instantly. And uh, Paul had been a, a lifelong friend for me and a mentor for 14 years and significant in the life of our church. And um, and uh, to, to go through that experience and um, grieving process and, and just wondering with God, why, why, why this, why him, why now, all of those questions. Um, and there's so much to talk and process about that, but specifically when it comes to peace is to realize that Paul had been for me an example of a person who was experiencing peace on a minute by minute, day by day basis and was my walking, living, breathing example of what peace looks like embodied in a person who loves and follows Jesus. And then I can look at Paul and go, okay, that's, that's what peace looks like. Like when I asked Paul a question, if you knew Paul, when you asked him a question, he would, he would think about it. He would, he would kind of look off and contemplate it. And you um, often wondered, like, are you paying attention to me? Are you about to cry? Are you thinking about where you want to go for a beer? Like, I don't know what's going on, but you're like pausing and thinking. And what he was doing was he was listening to the Holy Spirit. And he would listen to the Holy Spirit before he would speak and answer. Like, what a, what a concept. That's in Scripture. <laughs> Paul did that because he was at peace. He didn't need to hurry and rush an answer. Simple thing like that. And so as much as I miss Paul, I'm so grateful that I had him as an example for me to emulate. That's what I want to be like. That's a person who is at peace, and I want to behave and live like him more. And that's possible because he knew Jesus, because Jesus had created for him a way to be reconciled to his father, and he knew salvation. This time of year is anything but peaceful. We see it in songs, and we see it in store windows, and we see it in commercials and on sweaters, and peace is all around us in word, and yet we want it in our experience, and we want it for our world. And there's, there's three just real easy ways that I'd invite you to, to step into peace, to surrender. It's like, God, I, I want the peace that passes understanding. It's beyond, it's above understanding. And so I'm going to surrender to you and trust my life with you. For some of you, you need to start with your soul, that you're still trying to manage and hold up your own soul and save yourself. And Jesus' invitation to you in this season is to is to let go and to confess and to believe in him. And for the rest of us, it's to continue to do that and say, hey, whatever it is in my life that I'm thinking about at night over and over and over, I'm going to surrender and trust you with it. The second thing is that we actually 
pray, that we talk to God and say, God, I need this. I want this. I desire this, that I'm going to put my wants, needs, and desires in front of you and ask you to help. And you're going to show up in ways that are really evident and really quick and in ways that are really slow and really distant. But you're going to show up and answer my prayers. And the last one is that we find somebody in our life to emulate, to follow, to say, you live at peace and I want to follow you in peace. I want to, I want to model after you. I want to do what you do because you're at peace. Here's what I want to invite us all to do right now. We're headed into a season or continuing on in this Christmas season. We're 10 days to Christmas. And as I say that, your heart rate increases and, oh my gosh, 10 days, what? Imagine if we could step into these 10 days with a little more peace, that we could be a little bit more of the people that God is using and working through to bring more shalom to our world. But it's in the little things where you go, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to pray and ask you for what I need. I'm going to, I'm going to find somebody to model things. But even in this, in this season that that's so, lacks peace so much, um, I, want to, I want to give you another moment of silence just to consider and contemplate those things and hold them before, before Jesus. And so we're going to take a, a moment of silence again. Um, we're getting good at it or better. Uh, and, then, and then we're going to be led in song and, and invited to the table. So let's do that again. Let's just take a moment of silence to hold these things before Jesus together.